So as we enter into the Gospels, these are four books that are referencing the same awesome Savior, the same Jesus that is coming down and telling his story, but in four different ways. And so as we look over the next four weeks, we're going to get different aspects. And they each have similarities and uniquenesses. So if you look at this chart right here, right? And so as we're looking at that, you can see some of the first things is that they each reference or like announce Jesus as different things, all like a facet of him. And so you see that in Matthew, he's Jesus as king. Mark focuses on Jesus as servant. Luke as Jesus as a man. And in John, Jesus as God. And not incidentally, those are referencing, if you look just below, just down here, you can see that they are focused slightly different audiences. And then you can see the awesome correlation that happens. So we'll focus very selfishly for this Sunday on Matthew. And as we look that Matthew introduces Jesus as king, we see that Matthew's primary audience is the Jews. And that is very appropriate and important. And then so on and so forth as we look for the audience, it goes down through the other Gospels. And then we get to look at, um, I thought this was just really neat, little pie chart action here, just to understand the information that's shared across the Gospels, and then what's unique. And you can see, right, so we have the Synoptic Gospels that are, are shared a decent amount of information. And then we have John who takes really just a different approach. And then some emphasis down below that and some key verses. So just enjoy this. Keep it handy as we go through the Gospels, as we're doing our homework, as we're studying uh, the book that we're on that week. And then if we flip it over... So this is, do you guys remember we highlighted a couple of different resources last week, and one of them was that viz.bible. This comes from viz.bible, and is a really neat, and as I look at it now, it didn't print out very great. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. a couple of people already saw that. So, plug for going to check this out online, because it's way more impressive online. I'm still going to cover it, just so that you whet your appetite and then go online. But the really neat thing that was done was there was the four Gospels. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then what this guy did was, again, this is all about visualizations and just finding the different aspects and the nuances. It's just really awesome. So he did was take each topic and as a percentage of like how long that Gospel was is the length of that line. And so you can see here, so we'll start with something more obvious, and we'll go with Jesus Christ and how often he is talked about in Luke on this arm right here in Mark, up here, right, Matthew up here, and then John down here. But then you can see that some authors choose to focus their similarities, right, between Matthew and Luke. This is the parables. They each cover a large amount of parables, and you get to see some of that. And then you can see some of the other alignments and some of the uniquenesses kind of pull themselves out here. So I thought this was really cool. Just another resource. Again, much more impressive online. So please take a second to check that out. It's V-I-Z.B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. All right. So we have these two. And there's one more that I just couldn't help to include. This one didn't print out at all. It was, I tried it. It was definitely bad. All right. So <laughs> I know Dave's like, all right. So here's a funny story. Last week, Dave was trying to talk me off of showing so much about the resources. And so I'm sneaking them in this week. <laughs> And he's here laughing in the front row, and I'm having fun with it. All right, so there's a really cool parallel track in blue letter 
that you can go to, and it walks you straight through side by side in a chronological as they go, topics on the left, and then four columns for each book. They're fully clickable, so you can walk yourself back and forth through each of the Gospels. Just really awesome resources. Again, just trying to plug these real quick so that as we go through this, you guys see and understand the depths of what we're talking about across all of the different books. All right, done with my resources. I'll get off my resource horse, and we're going to start talking about Matthew. And now, you're like, really, are we going to talk about Matthew just in one Sunday? Like, you guys really committed enough that you're sticking with this. Like, this is a whole gospel. I don't know if you guys remember. We spent something like three or four months on the Sermon on the Mount about probably three or four years ago now. So that many months, right? And the audacity that I would cover all of Matthew in one Sunday. I mean, the nerve of some people, right? It's just, I mean, it could be almost downright rude. Okay, everybody, we're just going to take a second. We're going to calm down. Stay seated, please. Because again, the plan here is something interesting. Now, these are cool pictures of fish. I pushed the button too early, but it works. Hold on a second. So I just got recently to take a trip. I got to take a trip with Laura, and we got to go to Hawaii and see some really awesome things, okay? So that was cool. But it's not to brag. It has a purpose, I promise. All right? So one of the things that we got to spend a day doing was snorkeling. And so there were these awesome fish that we got to just watch. And you could just spend like, I, I spent a long time just like following one fish and just watching it. Meanwhile, he's probably ticked off that I'm still following him and just won't go away. But you could just spend so much time enjoying the beauty and design that is in each one of these, right? And just, just how awesome that creation is. And these are all different kinds. There's tons in this bay and you could just you know, okay, I'm, I'm done watching this one, and I'm going to go over here. And you could just pour time in, and that in and of itself was really cool. But there's also beauty as you back up, and as you enter and leave this place that we were at, there's beauty down inside of the ocean at like the small level, right? And then as you climb in or out, you get to see the beauty at just a different level. It's different. It's not defeating, or it's not saying that there isn't awesome things down below, Right? But it's a different appreciation. It's a different viewpoint. And so that's kind of what I'm encouraging. That mentality that I want to encourage us today isn't to say that there's not awesome fish in the bay, right? But just that we step back and appreciate the entirety of it some and how it all works together as a design and creation that is amazing as this bay was. It was very beautiful. All right. So that's kind of the mentality that, again, we're still trying to hold is we want to not say that the Bible is, you know, is only surface deep. And of course, we can cover Matthew in a Sunday and capture everything. We're not. But we're appreciating the large picture of it. And two things that I want to take time to build out this morning and focus on. So this is now where we come and we step into Matthew and we get to the meat I want to talk through and highlight two things that we're going to look at some, and I'm going to encourage you guys on your own to go also go study. And there are two phrases that we can use to kind of map out, if you will, Matthew. And so the first one is the theme of Matthew, which we already covered from that first, from this guy. We saw that Matthew highlights Jesus as king, audience being written for the Jews. And so important to the Jewish community was to receive fulfillment of all of those Old Testament prophecies. 
right? The whole culmination of what we've been studying for months, what someone could study for years, what a whole lifetime could be studied on. And the word fulfillment is going to occur several very distinctive times to very form these like very neat, very noticeable bookmarkers and say, here so that this could be fulfilled. And sometimes the prophet's name is even referenced, which is very helpful, so that helps us look backwards. I did some homework for you guys and I shared it. So even if the prophet's name isn't mentioned, you can still see where the reference back is. And this I thought was particularly cool. We tried to highlight this some, but admittedly ran out of time last week to understand the appreciation that like, we don't get to forget about the Old Testament just because we're not in it anymore. It still has weight and bearing and purpose as we carry ourselves into the New Testament. And Matthew offers this really nice bridge as we see and get to explore firsthand account of Matthew, what Jesus is doing, and then he just writes it down right there so that this could be fulfilled. And it's just really awesome and clear. So as we go through, we're going to pay some attention to that. But here, there's a lot more than we can cover today. So what I did, if you guys flip to your second page in your note sheet in the inside, one of the first things that I did was provide you guys with a table. Don't worry, we're not going to go through the whole thing today. It's okay. But you are this week, more hopefully. All right. So these are all of the instances where Matthew walks out the statement of fulfillment, or, and I, I put in here, there's two asterisks, where it is like, so it was, or as it was written, or the scriptures read. There's two instances where the wording is a little bit different, but the rest of these all use that very pointed term, fulfillment, because that's one of the themes and the focus of Matthew is Jesus fulfills the Old Testament law. And it's just really awesome. I separated these down in here so you could talk, see and look at his like lineage and birth in the first section. And then it goes into his life and ministry in kind of like the middle of the page. A lot of Isaiah plugs there. Woo! And then the last third is his rejection and crucifixion. And again, most of the times it mentions... Like it says, so the, as, as Jeremiah stated, or as Isaiah said, or as David wrote. So it's just really, I, I just, as I was reading this, and again, preparing for this, I was like, this would be awesome as we, just, you know, don't talk about the Sermon on the Mound and focus on that, but as we just look over the whole thing of what Matthew is doing with his book. Just to appreciate the distinctions that he's like, hey, Fulfillment. It's like, it's like a stamp that he has on his desk and he's writing his writing, fulfillment, right? So just like, poof, right there. So here's my encouragement. We're going to cover like two of these. There's a lot more than two. Please spend some time this week. And here's what I think would be neat. When you go through and you're reading, do one of these things and cover up so you can't see and make you force yourself to like pay attention. So when you read that word fulfilled, then you'd be like, all right, let's look at where it's referencing. But try to... Try to just pay attention as you look and, and kind of like be surprised and anticipate that fulfillment as you read through it. All right, so as we're paying attention to fulfillment, I also, we've been using these outline-like tables uh, as we go through. And if you flip over to the next page, the page looks like this. So we're going to use this again. And this one has some awesome depth to it that I thought it would be cool if we paid a little bit of attention to. 
So the way that Matthew is written is there's like a prelude and then like a after, um, like not an appendix, I guess, but like a conclusion, right? So those are the bookends of Matthew. And then there's the full body in the middle that I've highlighted here in black that you can see a little bit more bigger boxes. Don't worry, I saw ahead of time that that one was hard to read, so you'll see that there's a table below it. But what happens is there's another thing that Matthew does, and he uses another, like, common phrase, right? And so he puts it in there, and we can use that. This marks kind of the end, so you just have to go just like a verse or two backwards, and that kind of closes that section. And the phrase is this. It says, when Jesus had finished, so there's several references that that go through, and Jesus has a teaching, which is a hint to some of the organizational structure, and then the next kind of section starts. So when Jesus had finished, so it's like there's a change of venue and a pickup or a topic changes because the audience has changed, right? So he's moving around. You've got to remember that he is very active in his ministry. And that's another neat aspect of this is that there's two forms in here. You can see these five groupings, but each one has commonality to it. Where what happens first is, as the narrative goes, we encounter Jesus as he is out actively engaging the people or working with them with his hands or just walking with them and engaging them. And that's how he sets up a lot of his teachings, right? That's the, how a lot of the topics get broached or something like that. Is he's, he's like shoulder to shoulder with these guys, walking and talking about instances that are happening, and so I think it's really neat that that's a way that Jesus leads, is that he's in the trenches there with them. So he's not sitting on some high perch preaching. He's there engaged with them. And so as we see that, I thought that was a cool aspect of coming along people, right? And we all learn together as we do. And so there's that kind of active and engaging aspect of the way that Jesus teaches. And then each of these sections, though, ends with more of a, like, okay, everyone, like, what this is right now. It's like, okay, we're all going to sit down, and Jesus is going to share something. So there's, there's beauty and there's purpose in, as we go, pointing things out so that it's like, oh, yeah, here's a real-life example. That just happened. I'm learning on the go kind of thing, right? And then there's another aspect of learning where it's like, okay, let's bring our focus and listen. And so there's these five teachings that close each section. And so this is kind of how it's framed. So there's the chronicle of like what's going on. So we can see here, now we're at the bottom of this page. Right, so you can see that the narrative of the king, that section ends with the Sermon on the Mount. And then chapters 8 and 9 talk about the power of the king and the kingdom. And what does Jesus at the end of that, he spends a whole chapter charging and sending out the twelve. Right? So that's what happens in his teaching there. And then we have the teaching of the parables. So large section. There's parables weaved throughout, but there's a distinctively large section here in chapter 13 of parables. And then the, the chapter in, in 18, the topic is the body. So this is like the body of Christ and how believers should interact and, and forgive and support one another. And then finally, the, the last teaching here focuses on the second coming. And then you can see that before and after each of the main body is kind of an introduction and a conclusion. 
So this was, for me, this was a different way as I studied and kind of worked through and wanted to bring you guys Matthew. I thought this would just be a neat way. Often we just take it and sit down and read it, right? So here's a thought that I want to encourage you guys for. A lot of what I'm covering today is, go, is going to be this because we're already like 20 minutes in. But, but here's what I want to do is take some time and look at Matthew because it's something that we read a lot, right? Do you guys remember when we first started this, we had this bar chart of like books that we read a lot, right? The Gospels are like, you know, we read them constantly. But read them in a different light so we make sure that the power that's there, we're actually understanding. So here's what I'd really love for you to try is take and start at like a, one of the sections that's here. So start at like chapter 4. And read 4 through 7 and understand that this is the activity and then this is the concluding teaching. And just, it's a, it forms a really awesome picture when you're not trying to like just read a chapter or you zoom just a little bit out. So they're not huge sections or chunks, right? But just read a couple of chapters grouped like this and just, just watch. It's a really awesome thing that develops that again, you get to see Jesus with the disciples and with the crowd interacting and working with them, healing and charging out demons, right? And then to sit down and have a teaching that almost always just explains, here's the power, here's the authority of what you just witnessed firsthand. It's really, really awesome. Okay, so now that we have possibly, or hopefully, I would say, a greater appreciation for the structure of Matthew and its theme and how it works, now we're going to sit down and go through, well, okay, all right, maybe not the whole way through it because that just, again, we're covering Matthew at a high level. But here's what I want to do and what the back of the note sheet spend some time doing is I went through and I did what I just kind of suggested for you guys, but only with the teachings. I try to capture my high level thoughts as I went through each of these sections. And so this is a way that as we're looking through some of these, I want to provide some encouragement for you guys to think about doing. So as you're reading through, to be able to say, hey, if, if I'm taking a couple of chapters and I'm taking some notes on that, this, I guess two weeks ago in Life Group, we were talking about trying to journal more. And so I wanted to share a little bit of what I'm trying to work on for that. So to be able to capture the high-level summaries so that we can understand some of these sections better. And so we're going to go through a couple of these, and I'm going to leave a couple as teasers. Again, there's blanks at the bottom if, if and as you guys work through these this week. But we're going to start with something that highlights what I talked about the theme of Matthew is. And so this is in Matthew 2, and it says this, Where he who has been born king of the Jews, this is the wise men, and they're interacting with Herod. And so that's the setting. Sorry I didn't start that before the verse. It says, for we, have see, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him, the him here being Jesus. And, and again, who is speaking? The wise men. And so they're speaking to Herod, and Herod, um, who takes on, has the, right, this title of king of the Jews, just said, hey, there's a new king in town. So Herod heard this. He was troubled. And all of Jerusalem, because he ruled with an iron fist, was as well. And the assembled chief priests and the scribes and the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born, right? And this is something that I want to um, just highlight and why I thought if we're picking out a couple, this would be a neat place to spend time on. Who does he go to? He goes to the Pharisees and the scribes, people that should have knowledge, and he asked them. But then who answers, right? Not, 
not Herod. He's the king. He's supposed to have the knowledge, but he has to go seek it out. So he's sitting there with authority, but no knowledge. It's a neat kind of knock on Herod, and what we see just even in the book of Matthew is the fulfillment that Jesus brings, where he has the authority and the knowledge. So Herod's answered in this, in Bethlehem in in Judah, for it is so written. This is one of those examples where it's like that stamp, right? But the nuance that this one doesn't say fulfillment. I wanted to show you one of the examples where it looks a little different. For it is written, right? So it's called out right there. So we can see that point back to the Old Testament by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. So now I wanted to share just one, I'll share just one example that is from the Sermon on the Mount. And as, as Jesus has started, the Sermon on the Mount starts in chapter 5, and it goes through 7. And Jesus, just a couple of verses in, makes this incredible statement that uses that fulfillment, but it doesn't have a distinctive reference to it because of the wide expanse that it has that is this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. For I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill them. And this is even what I was just pointing to earlier, that knowledge and authority that Jesus has, that power, the one-two punch of knowledge and authority. And then as we close the Sermon on the Mount, or Matthew closes with this. Now this is said about Jesus. And watch what it says. And when Jesus finished these sayings, The crowds were astonished at his teachings, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. Again, remember who Herod had just asked in chapter 2, right? He had to go elsewhere. He took his authority, but, but subdued it because he went elsewhere to the scribes because they had the knowledge. And it's just the Sermon on the Mount is kind of closed with this section of acknowledging the full and complete picture that Jesus is. Not just the Old Testament fulfillment of some of these prophecies, but the coming King, the Messiah. Now, some of the other sections that I want to just put on here, there are slides here for later. So as you would reference this back, if you get stuck or something like that, but to help you an outline on your note sheet. We have the sending of the twelve, so that's captured in chapter 10. And then the parables, an interesting thing there is that Jesus really provides in an aroundabout way with the parables, he highlights the fact that the Pharisees and a lot of people have really just hardened their hearts and they're not ready for the message that he's providing. And so the use of parables is kind of explained even in this teaching there. And then in the body, he highlights the necessity to issue forgiveness Not just that he issues forgiveness to the people, but that they issue forgiveness to each other. And it talks about the number of times that they need to do so. It's a large number. So basically he's challenging. He's like, ah, just a couple of times, right? And Jesus' response is, no, 77 times. And there's, there's nuance there where in biblical times that was meant as, you know, basically our infinity. It's like, no, just, just keep on going. Right? It's like, not seven, don't, just stop, stop counting, just, just keep forgiving. And then, let's, let's jump here to the second coming, chapter 24, 14. 
And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as testimony to all the nations. Then the end will come. And then just at the end of this chapter, it says, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And this is, this is neat because this is one of the things that Jesus answers the Pharisees with that they finally get fed up with and they cry blasphemy on is that he references all of this. And so this statement ties back to who Jesus really is. And when he announces this to the Pharisees, that's when they, they says they tear their robes and they scream blasphemy. We don't need any, any more accusations than this. To see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That references what is coming now is our golden thread. So we talked about and kind of started to introduce that last week. So as we look through the life of Jesus and we see his fulfillment of the Old Testament, right? This is the scarlet thread that we have been pulling through all of the way through each and every book. And now as we see references continued to his kingdom coming, not his first coming, but his second one, the eternal kingdom that will come and he will reign with power and great glory. So we're going to close our overview of Matthew in chapters 26 through 28. And it covers the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we also have communion here today. And so as I cover some of Matthew 26, what I'd like for you guys to do is we're going to start our communion and I'm going to have you guys go ahead and start to grab the elements. I'm going to read in a second. I'm going to start reading Matthew 26. And I think if my timing and my planning works out properly and, and perfectly, um, you guys will finish getting the elements when I arrive at chapter 26, verse 26. And we'll take communion as we read that together. So usually we like to do different um, things with our communion. Sometimes we do it as, as families or couples today will be a little bit more individual. So we just appreciate, so just listen to my hopefully eloquent voice as, we, as you guys come up and get the elements and sit down. And when I get through and to verse 26, um, we'll talk through and take them all together. So I'm going to get started here. And as you feel prepared, you can go ahead and come on up. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming, the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they had said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for large sums and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For always you will have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. And pouring this ointment on my body, 
She has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver him to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, go into this, a city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them. And they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, they reclined at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, they said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him, one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It should have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered and said, Is it I, Rabbi? He answered and said to him, you have said so. So now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread after blessing it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many forgiveness of sins. I tell you that I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. I'm going to close here with Matthew 27, 50 through 54. As Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went to the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said this, truly this was the Son of God. I would like to close our service today with Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age.